0: If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn to Romans chapter 15. We have made it to the 15th of 16 chapters in the book of Romans. Our text this morning will be found in the first seven verses. I'll read them in just a moment. Romans chapter 15, 1 through 7. I want to welcome every single one of you here this morning to Big Woods. God has already blessed my heart to listen to you lifting up your voices, worshiping together as one. Special welcome this morning to one who's officially visiting, settling, going to live here the rest of her life, Sadie Ann Dixon, and congratulations to Justin and Anne on the birth of their little one. We are blessed as a church with many little ones, and if I may say on that note, I bring reports from another one of our missionary families from afar. It is an absolute delight to also introduce Um, By way of an announcement, Calvin Andrew Boger was born just last evening. Three Boger boys in three years. Pray for that little family. Calvin, we get both a great reformer. Actually, we're going to call him Cal. So we get a great reformer and a great baseball player all in one name. But we do need to uh, just thank the Lord for how he is blessing us together as a body. This week we know that uh, many are returning to school. And I was talking with my oldest grandson this week. They live in Kansas. And he was showing me his backpack And he was all excited to get ready for his very first day of kindergarten. He's been to preschool a couple days a week until lunchtime. But this is the real deal. And and I asked Denson, I said, are are you you ready? Are you ready? He's got his backpack on. Direct quote, he said this, oh, pop-pop. He said, there are so many interesting things for me to learn this year. He said this, honestly, this is clearly, I don't know how, what family he came from. And he said, each year I get to learn more. I was fascinated. I thought to be that eager, to be that excited, my prayer, my prayer is that we would be that willing Wanting to learn more and more every single time we open this word. There is more for us. There is more for us to learn. May that be our prayer. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we go to the throne of grace and just ask the Lord to anoint these few moments that we have together in his word? <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, we are we are just humbled. We are amazed at who you are. We've already lifted up our voices. We've bowed our heads. We've heard your words spoken to us through your word that has been read. And we rejoice, Lord, that you have graciously loved us enough to call us your own, to adopt us into your family, to be your sons and daughters. And Father, I as we begin this morning, I I know at some level my my heart is just revealing that there are people here that are in the midst of struggle and strain, that are hurting. And I I would pray, Lord, and, and together, I pray that we would come alongside, that we would build one another up for your glory. Lord, give strength where it is needed, give endurance, give encouragement as we will see through your word. Father, help people to know that they are not alone, that we are, we are one body. I pray, Lord, that we would be aware and sensitive to your speaking to us this morning, that we who have been given ears to hear would not only be hearers only, but doers of the word. Lord, if I may ask, I just plead for your help. May, may you Guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Amen. And amen. We have spent several weeks, if you recall, in Romans chapter 14, learning about the importance of Of looking out for the weaker brother, the weaker sister. Making making sure that we don't cause others to stumble. That means putting others first. That means building others up. As Pastor Aaron summarized so well last week, it's not about our individual liberties. Yes, we have all been given freedom to live however we would like to live, but not at the expense of ever discouraging, not at the expense of disrupting the spiritual growth of others. Remember this, what's the overarching theme? Unity of the body is at stake here. We heard last week in verse 20, do not, do not for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Therefore, we are to we are to have a sincere love, a care and a concern for others, especially, especially the newer, younger, weaker brother, sister in Christ. Now, we've all heard this; we've all been taught this. But what's next? New chapter. The, the apostle Paul through direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is, is all over this. He knows that every single one of us are going to ask. Okay, okay we, we see it. We get the importance of unity. We get the importance of humility. But you can't just, you can't just tell us how to do this. You've got to show us. How do we do this as a local body? So, so what does the Apostle Paul do this morning? He takes us. To the top. He takes us to the very best. Today we have before us Christ. The ultimate example. Through his life. Through his testimony. Through his work. And we will see this morning through his word. It will offer both an encouragement for us to continue on. And an endurance to continue on. Romans chapter 15 Verses 1 through 7, the words will be in front of you on the screen. I'm reading from the ESV, the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We'll see it here in this text. Why? Why is it that we are to bear with? Why is it we are to build up? Because Christ has done exactly that for us. Here's, here's our first of three very simple points today. The first one is this. Christ gives the example that is needed for us. Christ gives the example that is needed. You ever find yourself having to do... A, a task, a job around the home. you got to repair something, some odd job. It's like the, the weird ones, changing the filter in your dehumidifier, the, the bag in your vacuum cleaner. You're, you need to replace the batteries, replace, just fill in the blank. And, and you know that originally when you bought whatever it is, you get an owner's man, you get the instructions, the directions, but what? You've lost them. Okay, they have been tossed long ago. So, what do we do in today's world? We YouTube it. And we find, in a sense, somebody who has the same kind of vacuum, okay. And, 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 and has the same kind, whatever. I remember one time I was trying to figure out, this is just so above me. I was trying to find out how to, how to change a starter, okay, in my Jeep. And it's always, it's always like, all you need is two tools and 10 minutes. Like, it's always like that. And, and I know that when I was under there, and like I clearly stuck a screwdriver in a place that it should not be, and, and you can get shocked from that. It was terrifying. And we have, while we're under there, we're trying to work, we have the little YouTube video. And we're trying to watch it as we're trying to fix this, and it's really complicated, really confusing. And then in the middle of that, you almost have it. And it kind of breaks to an advertisement. Would you like to lose weight now? Stop exercising. And you think about it, like, this is just a bad way to repair something, to fix something, to, to move something forward. Rather than a confusing mess like that, imagine just for a moment, rather than some, like, YouTube guy, imagine having the one who designed it. Imagine, imagine having the one who, who, who manufactured it, sitting right there with you, uh, guiding you, teaching you every single step of the way. You realize that is exactly what God has done for us through the incarnation of his own son, Jesus Christ, who left the glories and the splendor and the wonder of heaven to come into the squalors of this world. Think about it, the divine, omniscient, all-knowing, unlimited knowledge, with unlimited knowledge, he saw us, he saw you deep into your heart with your weaknesses, with your struggles. Not only with unlimited knowledge, but with unlimited strength, he came to us to walk alongside of us in our weakness and in our brokenness, Offering himself, suffering, and dying to rescue us, to redeem us, to build us up, to bear with us. So that now, what does it say in Scripture? We who are strong, that means what the spiritually mature, as we've been reminded, those who are sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Those who are willing to give up their freedoms for others. We who are strong have an obligation. It means we have a weight of responsibility pressing down on us. We actually owe it to others. To learn how to, and what are these instructions, bear with the failings of the weak. Not please ourselves but please our neighbor, to build him up, to build her up. You know, I find it interesting here that we are, we are not to point out, to point at the failings of the weak. It doesn't say here that we're, we, we, we mock or we criticize or we, we cut on. It doesn't say that we attack or gossip about the failings of the week, which at some level seems to be the natural response for many people. As a matter of fact, I could say for most people. It does not say point at them. It actually says to bear with. The word is bastazo in Greek. It means to carry away from a place, to remove, to endure, to bear up under, to provide for, to support. Think about this, and actually Michaela alluded to it, even in, in our children's message this morning, what would we as a church look like? How would we be known in our community if we lived in such a way that the spiritually strong actually did just that for the spiritually weak? How, how, how can we do that? I love, I love how the author here, the Apostle Paul, roots his teaching in the broader greater storyline of scripture and 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 here he shows the global purpose of God in the Messiah we'll see this fleshed out in greater detail in verses 8 through 12 next week but here he speaks in a more positive tone than the previous chapter. If you remember chapter 14, there were certain terms. It, it talked about, we don't want to cause a Christian to stumble. We see that in, in chapter 14, verse 13. We see it again in verses 20 and 21. We, we don't want to, as it says in verse 15, destroy him. What he does in this chapter is he flips the opposite, and he actually, it's positive, words to seek to build him, to build her up. Why? Because he gives a theological basis for such behavior. That is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did to demonstrate his love for for us. What, What an example. What a perfect example for us as one who did not please himself. Rather, what? Instead, he willingly suffered for us by carrying, what does it say, the reproaches, Of those who reproached him. He took it. The NIV, the NLT, the the CSB says he took the insults. Instead of the word reproaches. I I think actually one of my my favorite terms here actually comes from the New American Standard. And it says that he took the taunts. You You know what I'm talking about here. He took the nastiness and this quote actually comes directly from Psalm. Psalms chapter 69 verse 9 speaks of what kind of an attitude that the Lord Jesus Christ has as a reminder of what kind of an attitude we, you and I, are to have. It's interesting as well that this particular Psalm, Psalm 69, is found that the theme of it actually is woven through many different New Testament texts. Multiple writers reflect on the suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ endured On our behalf. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 34. John chapter 2. John chapter 15. Acts chapter 1. Romans chapter 11 verses 9 and 10. All these verses speak of the specifics of what Christ endured. The reproaches. The insults. It says that he was offered wine mixed with gall. But he refused to drink it it says that they hated him without a cause it says that he was left desolate all of these are the reproaches yet jesus what not only endured the reproaches the public insults and the disgraces on our behalf but he's actually modeling for us he's teaching for us he is the example for us of how to endure Douglas Mew wrote a great commentary in the book of Romans called Romans. And, he, and he's, he's correct in saying, like Jesus, quote, like Jesus, the strong in Rome should be willing to serve in love even those that are being nasty to them. E- even, even when people are nasty, just like they were to, to Jesus, what was Jesus' response for the most part? We, we know the gospel accounts. He was totally silent. And when he did speak to those, what? About those that were, that were torturing. He, he simply, what? Says, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Let's just kind of stop here for a moment. And, and let's ask ourselves, how are we doing? How do you do when the insults, the reproaches come your direction? How's your endurance level? My, my fear is that many people would say, you know what? i have not, really, not really faced a whole lot. Like, it's really not that tough out there. I don't. I don't get a lot of insults. I don't get a lot of attacks. Maybe just suggesting. Maybe because your life doesn't look any different than anybody else's life. Maybe. How how are you doing in enduring for the sake of the gospel? How how are you doing enduring for the kingdom of God? Not not the silliness of the the things that gather our mind and attention here how how are you doing in enduring for that which matters the kingdom of god the person of christ john bunyan puritan preacher english author he wrote many well-known you you know pilgrim's progress he wrote the holy war grace abounding to the chief of sinners the life and death of mr bad man he he was so dedicated when the insults came his direction, the reproaches came his direction, he refused to stop proclaiming the gospel. There was actually a law that was passed. It was called the Act of Uniformity. Everyone must conform. And he says, no, I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't. And he, he went to jail for over a decade. And yet he was, it, it was even in that setting... That the Lord actually had his hand upon him. That that was this time. That was the season for over 10 years. Didn't even see his children as they were growing. That God's hand was upon him to write the works that he wrote. A gentleman by the name of David Walker who wrote a book called, I love this title. David Walker writes, Piety and the Politics of Anxiety in Nonconformist Writing of the Later Steward Period. And he wrote, on John Bunyan. He says this. He, he says, it was in prison that Bunyan's genius for writing works that evangelize and enriched the spiritual commitment of his congregation to the Baptist faith was confirmed and enhanced. Now, there's probably not a lot of us who are going to be thrown into prison right now for preaching the gospel. I don't think that there's the act of uniformity that has been passed. But, but when we do face hardship, the reproaches of others, how are we doing? How, how are we to bear with? How are we to build up? Not only do we see first that Christ gives the example that is needed, but Scripture gives the hope that is needed. Scripture gives the hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope hope so we can continue to be faithful to the work that god has called us to bear with and build up and this can be hard this can be exhausting because every single one of us know how long and tedious and difficult a thing it can be to build something up three weeks from today sunday september the 11th we know that we will we will commemorate a very, very sad day in our country's history. On that day, 2,996 people died as a result of the horrific acts of terrorism on 9-11. And I know that, that many are too young now to remember that, but some of us, I, I think there's a good portion of us, can still remember the events, the, the, the clear, perfectly clear blue sky. And the, the smoke that is billowing out. And we know the timeline, and we've seen this, that people don't realize that it was it was actually what? It was one hour and forty-two minutes for the North Tower to collapse. One hour and forty-two minutes. It took 13 seconds to fall. And you think that's fast. Actually, the South Tower. We know the tower that was hit second. It only took 56 minutes for it to begin to collapse, and it totally collapsed in 11 seconds. 11 seconds. Do you realize that it took seven years to build it? And they collapsed in seconds. You realize that that's the type of work, that's the pace we have to realize how difficult, it's easy for us to cut on, it's easy for us to tear down, it's easy for us to destroy, but that's not what the church of Jesus Christ is called to. We know it takes much longer to build up than to tear down. How can we do this? When we frustrate one another, we step on one another's toes, how can we receive the hope that is needed in order to continue on, to keep on when it is so exhausting? It's here, the Apostle Paul speaks of the importance of. And, and he speaks of the means of our teaching and our instruction, particularly from the Old Testament, was written to reveal to us the gift of the Messiah. Paul directs and he points us to the place that we can get what is needed. Through what? Through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures. Of this word right here. This is how we have the hope to continue on. Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines hope like this. In expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired. Hope is something that we hope for. Desire. Present hurts and uncertainty over what the future holds create the constant need for hope. Take a look around us. Worldwide poverty, hunger, disease, the human potential to generate terror and destruction create a longing for something better. Historically, people have looked to the future with a mixture of longing and fear. Many have concluded that there is no reasonable basis for hope, and therefore to hope is to live in an illusion. That's what the world thinks. Baker continues on, Scripture relates being without hope to being in the world without God. May, may I remind you what we studied just a couple chapters ago in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, 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 we land on. We feed on. We wake up. We go to bed with this word on our minds and in our hearts. We talk about it in our homes. This is the only, there can be no Hope, apart from the hope that is offered through the word of God, which shares to us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us hold fast. I love the way the NIV says, says, let us hold unswervingly to the confession of our hope. For he who promised it is faithful. How, How unswerving is your hope this morning? When when you, when you get another, what, another news update of some catastrophe. It's just more bad news after more bad news. How unswerving, how locked in to the hope that you know comes ultimately from the word of God. Christ gives the example that is needed. Scripture gives the hope that is needed. Look at what the Holy Spirit gives. The unity and the hospitality that are needed in order to continue to bear with and build up. Paul concludes this section, and and he does it with a wonderful, he does it with a powerful prayer. We read, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. A powerful prayer for unity within the body of Christ, within the local church. We know primarily it is a call for Christ-centered harmony. Harmony. And love instead of what? The tearing down, the bickering. Instead of the division or the quarreling. Now you can be assured that, that these, are, these are heavy and they're necessary words. And, and the phrases that all are saying exactly the same thing in this prayer to live in such harmony, to live in accord with Jesus Christ, to be together with one voice. Twice it refers to us but being together as one another. Now, how is this going to happen? It's not going to happen spontaneously through some motivational talk, okay? Suze Orman and, and, and Joel Osteen or Tony Robbins. is not going to be like, wow, this is so amazing. It's not, it's not going to happen like that. It's not even going to happen through what? One person that tries to convince or coerce. You know what's going to happen? It's going to happen through prayer. It's going to happen through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's no other way. There's no other way for this to take place. Except through sincere prayer and power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. You know, we, we talk about the way that familiarity breeds contempt. We, we see something over and over and over again. And it kind of is like, yeah, 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 kind of how many unless you maybe walked in today for the first time how many people notice the words the giant words on the very front of our foyer as soon as you walk in the, the main doors what does that say we we know that welcome one another open open arms up for one another as Christ has welcomed you for The glory of God. Although we tend to miss the familiar, today today I, I I would encourage you, I would implore you to kind of pause and note the magnificent plea and prayer of the apostles' instruction here. And all of these takes place, all of these things take place for what reason? So that God gets all the glory. Together, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We know ultimately who's going to get all the glory. Okay, He's not up there waiting, like I hope, I hope she does this, I hope he figures this out, because then I can be glory. No, we know who's going to get the glory. Someone told me this this week. It's whether or not you're going to get on the bus that, that's, that's moving toward him or not. The words in 1 Timothy come to mind in chapter 1. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever." and ever. There's another scene that we're very familiar with in Revelation chapter 5. A couple of verses. It says, I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing everything that we do every word that comes out of our mouths is to be for his glory I think even today what 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 is it that, that christ has given to us what what is the reminder and i'm so thankful that today we pause and we remember the communion table of the Lord, where in a sense what god reveals his glory through the suffering, through the reproaches that he bore. When Jesus was meeting and speaking to his disciples in the upper room, it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew in in chapter 26, verse 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took a cup when he given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you pick up on that one phrase there? That, that this is a picture of my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins, which means there's nothing that you can do. There's no work that you can accomplish. You can't sit in a church chair long enough. You can't sing loud enough. You can't help little old ladies across the street enough for your salvation. But it was only, it was only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand the importance of taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it all on the ultimate example. That's why we need moments like this. That's why we have the communion table because we move quickly and we forget quickly. And so there's a time when we just, we just slow everything down. And in quietness, we we think about that evening when Jesus met with his disciples, those closest to him. He he had preached to crowds numbered in thousands. And there was a small group that he had built into and built in and certainly he was bearing with them, just like he bears with us. And it was in the quietness of the upper room. That Jesus took some bread, just like this, unleavened bread. And he showed it. And, and, and he knows that, that when we touch something, we can feel it. And we can smell it. And we can taste it. That we remember things like that. Every single sense was heightened. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, just as his bread is broken, my body is going to be broken for you. And it was it was. It was broken, it was shredded, it was torn to pieces in the crucifixion. And they passed it around, and they ate it, when they tasted it, this is, this, is, this is what I'm doing for you. this is how much I love you, and it says that he took the fruit of the vine, he took some wine, he poured it out, and he said, this." Is a picture of my blood. This is for the forgiveness of your sins. Apart from the Lamb without blemish, the Lamb of God, behold, John said, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he passed it, and again they took a sip as a reminder, and thankfully we, as his own children, have been called regularly to remember, don't ever forget, do this as often as you do this. Remembrance of me. And so we do this. It's unique to Bigwood's style to do it the third Sunday of the month. I love that. And so we gather together. This is part of the definition of what a church does. We gather, we remember the Lord's table and this is special for us this is for believers these are ones who have acknowledged the fact that they are sinners we do one thing well we figure that out but through the blood of jesus our sins can be forgiven and we've placed our faith in jesus's work not our own and so what do we do we pause and we remind people we invite you if you're a believer here today we want to offer this to the elders are going to come and they're going to serve you Take it back to your seats, and we're going to eat it together as family. We're going to drink it as family, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now let me, let me be as respectful as I can, and I, I don't want to be rude, but if you're, if you're here this morning, and you've not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, then, then this is meaningless to you. Like, I would ask you respectfully, please don't take this. Don't, don't eat the bread. Don't, don't drink it. Because it, it wouldn't mean anything. But. If you understand that you are a sinner. And you know that it's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he suffered on the cross for us. Knowing not only the work on the cross. But in the tomb where he rose again. So that we can walk in obedience. and the newness of life. If you want to make that decision right now. You can do that. I would encourage you. I would celebrate with you. To put your faith the full finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And please, you are welcome to the table. May, May we hold on to the reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. How Jesus Christ even presently is interceding on our behalf, seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that we need help in doing that. And then in doing this, we also look forward to the fulfillment of his promise when Jesus comes again. And we do this faithfully. At this time, I'm going to invite the elders um, to come forward. They're going to be at different stations, just so that you're aware of that. And what I would encourage is the guys who are preparing, that, that you would just take a moment in the quietness of your own hearts and pray. Prepare your hearts. It says that we're be very careful. We don't drink unworthily. If there's something in your heart that you know you've been tearing down others rather than building them up, take time. To confess that. Go to the person maybe that you've hurt or offended. And then after a moment of silence and prayer and gratitude for the Lord's gift of grace to us. I would just simply invite you to go to any one of the stations. And the the men will give you both a, a cup and some bread. Take it back to your seat. And after everyone is served. Then I will bless it. And we will partake together. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, my brothers, would you bow our heads and pray with me again, Lord? We're just amazed at your love for us, your grace, your mercies new that every day. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder, from your word, even as we read from the letter to the Corinthians it it was it was a church that was tearing down instead of building up one another, and the focus was to be on you the focus was on your work not ours Lord in the depths of our heart we confess where we fall short we confess our impatience our lack of endurance we confess that the need for encouragement is great and it can only come from you We confess that we can go other places to feel something good for a while. But it's only through you. It's only through your word and through your work that can sustain us towards faithfulness. And we thank you for the reminder today. We thank you for this bread that is a picture of your body that has been broken. We thank you for this cup that is a picture, a symbol of your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you that we have one another to celebrate what you have done for us. We love you. We thank you for loving us. May you bless this to our body. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As I was alluding to, Paul writes to the Corinthians. And he says, Where's the focus to be? Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my body blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and we look forward to when he comes. The gospel of Matthew and Mark both record that before they left the upper room, they sang together, and so that's exactly what we're going to do. Matt's going to come and lead us.